This is The Authentic Professional. Real discussions with real people who work real jobs and live real lives. The Authentic Professional is hosted by Jacinta Gallant, a collaborative lawyer, mediator, and conflict trainer who decided to bring more of who she is to what she does. I'm Jacinta Gallant, and with me is my co-producer, Taylor Smiley, who also happens to be my daughter and my colleague. Hi, Mom and Boss. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Taylor. Nice to have you on the show. So I really enjoyed interviewing Robin Aiken and Sean Corcoran to talk about what it's like to be lawyering and parenting at the same time. I can speak from experience because I was lawyering and parenting ever since you were born in 1993. Yeah. And you even decided to tell a nice little story about lawyering and parenting me. When oh, I yes. Was about 12. <laughs> no, I think, yeah, you were in grade six on that Christmas pageant. Yeah. Yeah. That was a pretty sweet moment for a mother. <laughs> Have you ever struggled juggling being a lawyer and being a parent to crazy children? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was pretty lucky. You and your brother were interesting and fun for the most part, but yes. I remember many times, actually, um, pushing you on the swing. You were a bit of a swing addict. So <laughs> when you were too little to push yourself and get yourself going, you could be pushed for, I swear to God, an hour. And I remember many moments, though, where I was, while pushing you, thinking through a cross-examination strategy or planning for an upcoming discovery or thinking about a case that I was struggling to resolve. And in many ways, some of the struggles as a parent working in a profession that requires a lot of you is the distraction, the fact that it comes into your mind and into your heart in moments when you're really wanting to be intimately just with your own family. At the same time, I think that my role as a parent helped me be a better lawyer and that I was better able to connect with those of my clients who had similar struggles. But you were pretty patient. And there's a story coming up in the, in the interview with Sean and Robin that I keep close to my heart. When you were neglecting your children? Yeah, like that kind of thing, <laughs> sort of the slacker mom. Um, I really, really bought into the idea of slacker mom would build more resilient kids. Did it? <laughs> I think so. I hope so. Yeah. So it's funny because I feel like um, as a parent and as a lawyer, um, your commitment to doing really good work uh, bears out, bears fruit. And so that the commitment that I had in trying to make sure that you and your brother had a great experience being raised by me and your father um, translated into my ability to serve my clients well. Well, I think it did. And then you went to law school, and here you are. Can you believe it? Co-producer. I in your footsteps. <laughs> I can't wait till we interview your brother for the show. Oh, <laughs> that would be so fun. So we will see. The Authentic Professional can include many different aspects of, of work, and but what's coming up is taking that, the hard work of lawyering and managing it while parenting. So I think that, that in terms of authenticity, Robin and Sean definitely tick all the boxes. Definitely. And uh, I hope our listeners will enjoy our conversation. 
Every parent knows that there's a lot of pressure to be all things to everyone when you're working in a profession and also trying to manage what typically is a busy life at home. Today I'm interviewing Sean Corcoran, who is both a lawyer and a father, and Robin Aiken, lawyer and mother. So I want to start with, what did you do, what did you have to do to get here this morning? <laughs> I'm not sure That's how many of these words I can use on a, on a podcast. Uh, so I, you know, was hoping to have a smooth morning, and that was not the case. I'm, I'm visiting at my parents' house. Um, I'm a summer guest at my parents' house right now while I build a place, and uh, the place is in the country, and yesterday the septic system backed up. So oh. yesterday, overnight, this morning, we've had no working toilets and no, you know, running, well, I guess the water's running, but we can't use it. Um, and so this morning, um, we made two kind of emergency visits to the national park bathrooms. Can I first ask, when you say we, yeah. who does that include? Uh, myself and my two children and my husband. Mm-hmm. Four of you. Yeah, all four of us. Yeah, emergency visits to the national park. And uh, we luckily have a membership at the Delta here in town. So we arrived at the Delta to shower and get everybody ready for the day. And yeah, here we are. That's great. So what's it like <laughs> back at back at home? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not really willing to call right now and see you know what's going on. I'm hoping somebody else will sort out that problem. All right. So when you got to town, what did you do with your kids? Well, that's good. that's interesting too. It's kind of not a normal day for us, but they're at my father-in-law's right now. He's a barber, so he's uh, he's letting them watch TV. Big no-no in the parenting world, but there you go. My kids are having <laughs> a lot of screen time today. Uh, and, yeah, they're hanging out at, uh, at the Razors Inn Barbershop right now while I'm here with you. Well, thank you, Razors Inn Barbershop in Charlottetown, <laughs> Prince Edward Island. Nice plug. <laughs> Sean, what was your morning? What, what did you have to do to get here this morning? Um, so I live with my wife, and I have two daughters. Uh, one's four and a half, and one just turned one a couple weeks ago. Um, so the one-year-old yesterday didn't go to school. We get up in the morning and she had a bit of a fever. So it was like, okay, she can't go to school today. So I'll, I'll kind of give you the, the two-day situation there. So um, I didn't have any meetings scheduled in the morning, but my wife, uh, who works in Summerside, she was, uh, she's a general manager at a hotel, so she's interviewing um, a new uh, potential staff member. So she had to go to work for a bit. So we worked out that she would go do her interview, do a couple things, get the hotel sort of uh, set for the day and then uh, come back and then I'd go into work around lunchtime. Uh, so that's, that's what happened yesterday. And then today we weren't really sure uh, if it was gonna be like a 24 hour thing or not. So we were driving the Pedialyte into her last <laughs> night. And then she got up this morning and she seemed all right, but we had contacted, uh, my wife's name's Kelly. Kelly's mom came in sort of on a just in case basis. And uh, so she's currently watching uh, my youngest daughter. And we took, uh, I drove uh, the four year old to a daycare uh, which is kind of just down the street from work and then went into work. So you got here. So we both were able to go to work today, but only because my mother-in-law is retired and, and loves watching the girls. So my, so so the grandmother showed up to help your family, and Robin, here you are living with your parents because you're waiting for this other place to get built Correct. for you yeah. and your family. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like there's, it takes a village, right? They say it takes a village to raise a child. Um, what, how can you describe your work and the village that you need in order to do your work? Well, 
I'm looking at Sean. I mean, you know, the, we've both kind of just now described, you know, kind of hairy days to get here. Um, but and I don't know about you, Sean, but it's that's kind of par for the course. Uh, certainly not every day looks like this, but you know, no day, you know, no two days are the same, and it's always a bit of a balancing act to make sure that, you know, I'm meeting my obligations at work and I'm also making sure that, you know, my children are alive. Right. I remember uh, when my daughter was in grade six and she was, she was singing a solo in the Christmas concert. It was kind of a, she was Mrs. Claus. I thought it was pretty cool and fun and everything. And I, of course, had that busy week leading up to the concert and she didn't seem particularly well, but she seemed to be okay. Um, there was no drive to get Pedialyte or anything like that, but it turns out she got through the concert. The next day she still felt really kind of not well, and I finally took her to our family doctor. Turns out she had strep throat. So I'm taking her home and I'm saying, I'm sorry, sweetie. Sometimes I think that I should just stay home and bake cookies with you. And she looked at me and she said, yeah, but you might get bored just baking cookies. And so it's interesting when I look now, because she's a grown-up who f just finished law school and is going to become a lawyer, heaven forbid, um, you, think about, you think about what are the things that make you able to do this work? How does parenting change you when you think about your work and your life? That's a tough one. I'm probably particularly ill-suited to answer this question because um, I didn't... I was never a lawyer without uh, children, so um, my the, my four and a half year old was born during the second semester of my first year of law school. <laughs> she was actually born like two weeks before the second exam period, so like, so it would have been so stressed out anyway, yeah. and then throw that curveball in on top. Um, but so yeah, even my first summer working uh, in in a firm. Uh, I already had a, you know, a, a young child, so um, I, I can't say that it changed my work life in any way, but I did work uh, prior to um, going to law school, and like I, I graduated, or I got my undergrad and then worked for five years and then went back to law school, so I, I certainly did work without having a child, and it it's definitely much different now we have to do a lot more planning and um, it's not just you know roll out of bed a half an hour before you have to be at your desk and get to work um, you know now I get up a few hours before I get out the door and and basically doing <laughs> doing things the entire time before I, I get on the road to work yeah so you end up being a fairly busy human doing right as opposed to the human being yeah, human doing, absolutely. Yeah. Robin, how do you balance that, that need well, to be and do? It, that's interesting, because Sean, because um, you're probably fairly unique in that scenario where you were a lawyer and a parent at the same time. And I, I'm, I'm guessing probably my experience is more um, common where I was a lawyer and then I became a parent. And so as a junior lawyer without kids, you know, there's a lot of happy hours and there's a lot of, you know, bouncing back and forth with other lawyers, you know, who you're kind of friends with, like, you know, just, you know, talking about files or talking about your day or talking about your weekend and it more or less just a lot of wasting time. And, <laughs> you know, when you have kids and then you want to be home for that supper hour before they go to bed at 630, which is a very narrow window, you know, especially when they're quite young, 
it really, it, that perspective shift, you know, dramatically changes your work habits. So I had like one set of work habits, you know, and behaviors and efficiencies, which probably no efficiencies. Um, and then, you know, I had kids and I became a very efficient lawyer. Like I came to work, I put my head down, I did what I needed to, to do and, you know, got back home again. So, um, it, that, you know, having kids really taught me, I think, how to be an efficient lawyer more than anything else, more than any other practice tip. It was kind of a forced, you know, efficient, um, you know, skill making, you know, exercise. I agree with you, Rob. And I, when you were talking about that, I was um, picturing a lot of, a lot of times you'll get an invite to either uh, go for lunch or maybe grab a beer after work with some of your colleagues that work at other firms. And a lot of times it's people that are the same vintage as you maybe went through the bar course with you and uh, I was I, I wasn't the only one with kids but you're certainly in the minority and uh, a lot of times I'd, I'd love to go for a beer after work but you're sort of it's like okay if I do that I may not see the one-year-old at all today other than the you know the hour I was with her like getting ready to to go to daycare so it definitely changes your priorities because you have there's a certain amount of work you're trying to get done each day and it's like so that has to get done and do I go have three beer with my buddy or do I go home and have supper with my family and whereas if it was uh, just my wife she can stay up past eight o'clock <laughs> so you know maybe see her regardless but with the girls it's it's tight timelines sometimes and you, you definitely want to see them every day. It's interesting, the whole question of time. So lawyers tend to work on a billable hour basis. And so we count our time in increments of six minutes, you know. And I've been reflecting on this whole concept of quality time. I was reading a book written by a retired lawyer and psychotherapist, actually, Benjamin Sells, called The Soul of the Law. And he talks about quality time being this ridiculous concoction to help us uh, feel like we can squeeze in those moments, those, those moments in between our billable hour, in between the increments of 0.1, 0.2 that we're doing work productively. Um, I'm wondering, just even when you think about the way that we work as lawyers and the billable hour, how does that resonate with you? The quality time piece, the idea of what you're, what you're in, in many ways trying to leave the office to get home to. Well, I would say that I think I've done a good job and, you know, observers of my life, I guess, might not agree with this, but I think I've done a good job of kind of melding the two. Mm -hmm. I don't really try to keep them as separate as I think people have done, you know, before me have done. So, for instance, this morning after, you know, the two visits to the National Park and the shower at the Delta, <laughs> um, I did have to deal with something at work. So I went into work. I left my kids in the waiting room, um, you know, quietly. And, you know, that's that's fairly normal at our firm. There's, you know, kids, there's babies, there's puppies, you know, in the office, you know, at all times. And so, I, you know, it's not super separate. And then also this morning um, between 6.30 and 7.30, between the two National Park visits, I reviewed um, a securities opinion so and got that out the door. So, you know, all while my kids were sitting beside me you know on the sofa you know reading and eating their cereal so um i i don't think it's one or the other i mean it wasn't was it quality time this morning while i was you know editing a securities opinion and my daughter was reading beside me probably not but i was you know i was there and you know her arm was touching my arm and you know we had you know we were together this morning right i mean 
defining time in terms of quality or productivity, I think, does not make sense. Mm -hmm. Sean, what about you? I mean, you're a relatively new lawyer, even yeah. though you're not an experienced adult. Um, what do you? How do you find the pressures at the office? Experienced adult, <laughs> I like that. Well, I like that you described <laughs> that you had a, you had a working life before you went to law school. Not everybody yeah. had that. No, I, I got uh, chirped a lot at law school for being like the. I became friends with a lot. I was like 27 or 28 when I started. There's a lot of like 22 year old guys, so of course they're calling me a dinosaur. Oh, yeah. I'm the geezer in the class, which is <laughs> great. I like uh, insulting people, getting insulted, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I remember I had a, I had a prof, uh, I went to UMB, and I had an awesome prof there, and he, and he just talked about, for those of you that go into private practice, you're really gonna hate uh, docketing is what he called it, which is uh, an old school term, I gather. Nobody calls it docketing anymore, but just talking about having to track your time on files. And I was like, yeah, that doesn't sound like something that I'm going to enjoy. And I've gotten more used to it than like the first couple summers, just as a summer student, it's really hard to get used to. And sometimes you're just doing something for 25 minutes and you realize, okay, I've, I've been keeping track of this, but uh, I'm better at it now. Uh, in terms of uh, separating it. I think I'm a little different from Robin at this point. Uh, maybe it's just because my kids are a little bit younger, but I try to uh, go into the office and, and put in a full day, and then when I go home, sort of keep it separate and try not to go back into the office or what have you. But um, I realize that's Definitely not going to always be the case, but at this point, with them being as, as young as they are, I think I've been able to get away with it for the most part, but we'll see how that evolves, I guess. So the whole idea, it sounds like there's this there's this idea of you can be real, you can have your real life and still work in a law firm. Robin, what's the size of your law firm? You don't know off the top of my head how many lawyers we have here in Prince Edward Island. Uh, 20, maybe. And so in that, in that, in the, in the, you're a partner in that firm and in your desire to integrate your personal sort of family life with your professional life, how does that, how does that work with your other partners? Well, I don't want to say we're unique because I don't know the circumstances of other, you know, law firms and other lawyers, you know, in town, but we, you know, we have a really good thing going. Our, you know, par our partnership is more, has more women than men in it. Uh, our, we have more women than men lawyers, including associates. Um, we are, we are, we're very tuned into equality. Um, and with that, I think, you know, comes a lot of, uh, you know, acceptance and encouragement of, you know, family life and outside interests. So I think I mentioned before, there's routinely babies, kids, dogs in the office. You know, it's a very family friend friendly, you know, and family oriented workplace. Uh, we all know each other's kids. We all know each other's spouses quite well. It's, we're kind of one big family. So, you know, I've never, you know, really felt that my family is competing with my law practice. Interesting. It's, it's funny because in my law firm, Sometimes I wish my family didn't interfere because they they seem to f they freely drop in and sometimes I'm like okay you guys visit there I've got to get some work done and uh, that includes my extended family because here on Prince Edward Island I mean one of the beautiful parts is that we often do have large extended families uh, family members who have remained here on this on this island and so the interesting thing I want to ask you now is this I'm going to ask you Sean to to answer first is how did law school change you? Um, 
difficult question to answer. Um, I'd say it, it changed me quite a lot. Uh, it changes the way that you sort of view the world and uh, maybe the aspects of like news stories you focus on, um, uh, conversations with people change. It's, it's, a, it's a perspective change, I think. So um, other than speaking in like general terms like that, um, I don't know uh, like a specific example I could point to, but um, yeah, sort of, sort of a fundamental shift in the way that I, that I think about the world um, <laughs> that's a really big answer. No, I... But, um, yeah, I, I really do, I think about things differently. My wife has said, has commented on how um, I just am different, like it's difficult to uh, maybe put her finger on, but she's like, you do, you speak differently, you, I, I think you understand some things a little bit better that I maybe uh, just didn't understand in terms of, uh, you know, the law affects everything. Um, in the world, um, and maybe just starting to understand some of uh, how that works at law school, getting a better general understanding of things, um, just sort of, uh, I don't know if it changed my outlook so much as it maybe changed my understanding of sort of uh, how society's organized. Mm-hmm. Robin, what about you? Well, I would say that I used to be, prior to law school, I used to be very spontaneous and fun. And now I am less spontaneous and fun. Oh, no. Um, and I know that about myself. It's okay. Um, I'm also really risk averse now. Um, and, you know, I th- and I think, I guess what I've learned about myself is law school teaches you, like we're trained to anticipate worst case scenario. Yes. And you can't help but let that spill out or spill over into your regular life. And then it, I think also that's exacerbated by having children. So I'll give you an example. Um, you know, when my daughter was young, I suspected that she had this very rare and serious disease that I had researched and not via Google like I had read like peer-reviewed you know journal articles um, and I had done some you know diagnosis myself and yes um, law school does train you to diagnose it does give you a good training that way yeah and I um, brought her in to see you know a pediatrician which is a specialist on PEI Uh, so you know here I am in the system using a specialist you know and kind of absorbing his time Dr. Gaston he's a wonderful pediatrician and um, you know I kind of went through my you know argument as to or my pitch my position as to why I thought maybe she had this and why we should undergo some more serious testing you know and he was like what what got you to this point like what makes you think this and I was like you know well I'm I'm trained to anticipate worst case scenario I'm a, I'm a lawyer and I you know was just like what's the worst that this could these symptoms could be and I figured it out and I think that's what it is and he was just like very quiet he was like uh-huh yes that explains it <laughs> and it's true it yeah. it really changes your perspective on life yeah, you how's your daughter I just she's fine the end no of the she's story. great no she's fine you got a pat yeah. on the head yep and nope. encouraging words yep. no he was wonderful he he we we he eliminated or um you know yeah he eliminated all of the other possibilities until we remained with you know nothing's wrong <laughs> okay so you're in a casual setting with some people you don't know and it's time for introductions and someone asks what do you do for a living what's your initial feeling and how do you respond I'm okay now I think I used to have 
a really hard time saying that I was a lawyer. It, it, you know, it's we talk about imposter syndrome. I think all young lawyers have imposter syndrome. Lots of senior lawyers also still have imposter syndrome. Um, it, I, it, I was very, I was almost embarrassed to tell people that I was a lawyer for multiple reasons. Um, and you know, I'm okay with it now. You know, I've worked hard, and I I am what I am. And you know, it's unfortunate, I guess, that I'm a lawyer, but I am. <laughs> Take it or leave it. You know. Yeah. No, it's okay. I I like law. I like um, you know I I really enjoy the practice that I have and so I've kind of learned to live with the fact that I am actually a lawyer yeah Sean what about you when people ask yeah I can relate to that um, sort of awkward feeling saying I don't know why but um, I feel like pretentious sort of saying that I'm a lawyer and I don't fully understand why but I do feel I guess I anticipate that uh, maybe the person I'm talking to is gonna think oh, this guy thinks he's a big deal, or this guy thinks he's really smart, or whatever, uh, all of which are not true. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I am getting a little better, I think, just saying I'm a lawyer, but uh, Robin and I talked a bit before, too. He used to say things like, oh, I work uh, in Charlottetown, I work in an office in Charlottetown, or maybe say something more vague. Um, I, I'm finding out that that um, doesn't, it's not a great answer, I shouldn't be ashamed of what I'm doing but and it's not that I'm ashamed but yeah I think feeling pretentious is the best way I can uh, put how it makes me feel but I'm trying to work past that because I, I don't think um, I don't think I should feel that way but I do well and, and I think it's a common thing among our profession there's all these stereotypes and public expectations and that sort of the love hate piece and so how do you explain, now it's a little different because your kids are a little younger, Sean, but how do you explain your job to your kids? I, so my, my daughter who's eight, my, I've, got a, I've got two, so my son is six and my daughter's eight, and so she's a little more with it in terms of like, you know, questioning what I do and what it is, like what do I do on a day-to-day -day basis. She doesn't want to know the title. She wants to know actually what do I do when I go to work. Um, and I've explained it before to her as I solve problems for people. So clients come in and see me and they have a problem and I figure out how to solve that problem for them and I help them solve the problem. Um, and so that's, it's still quite vague, but she really, you know, gets that. Um, and the other thing I think that, you know, having kids and kind of that intersection with the law helps. I've had difficult experiences with colleagues and coworkers, and I've also had difficult experiences with clients and I've had, and I've also had great experiences with clients in the courts. And in all of those scenarios, something that really keeps me grounded and it helps me get words out of my mouth in the right order and so that they sound how they're supposed to is I picture if my children were standing there beside me listening to me say these things would they be proud of me and so I use that as a grounding tool sometimes and it helps me even if I'm in court and I'm nervous it helps me kind of get centered and if I'm having a difficult conversation it helps me say difficult things without maybe a tone that I don't like yeah. or something. So that's, I've found that very helpful. Yeah, that's great. I might steal that, Robin, I like that. It's, and it's really quick and it works really well. <laughs> I've tried to explain uh, what I do to my four-year-old before and um, just look over 10 seconds in and she's already <laughs> tuned me out no, and moved on. Yeah, so, so I'm still working on that one. Yeah. It's a hard one to explain to You've got some a young time. kid. Yeah, I remember, I'll figure it out. I remember when my son started watching Suits, right, the, the, mm -hmm. the series, and I thought I better start watching it with him and because I want to understand what he's perceiving about the practice of law. 
And so for, for many seasons, we watched it together. And then I ended up being, I was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and it was I was actually in the Harvard-Yale like club, whatever, and they had all the alumni uh, books, the list of all the graduates of those two apparently prestigious law schools. So I looked up Mike Ross, <laughs> and I found a Mike Ross that actually graduated from Harvard and took a picture of it and sent it to my son, and I said, see, he really did graduate from law school. So for anyone who's listening to the podcast that hasn't watched Suits, it's like so stereotypical of how the public, I think, perceives lawyers and what we do, while also being very entertaining. So that love-hate piece about the public perception of us, um, I'd like to ask you about other ways, and Robin, I really, I really appreciate the story, but also the, the, the metaphor of grounding in the work that we do by imagining what would our children think. Um, and I know that for me, a lot of times my family, because I'm from a large Prince Edward Island family, will ground me because they, don't, they, don't, they actually don't want to hear any of that bullshit. Like they just, they really just want to be with me, the human being that they grew up with. And so I'm wondering if, if that's something that you experienced by being an Islander and by living on Prince Edward Island. Uh, I would agree with uh, your sort of last comment there. Um, like none of my friends and family sort of treat me any differently or uh, like that part's very easy. Um, you know, it's, it certainly hasn't changed any of my existing relationships. It's when you, um, when you meet somebody new that where I was expressing that sort of uh, odd feeling of saying what, what I do. But one thing that helped me with that uh, is uh, attending bar calls. Uh, so on PEI, uh, you know, a, a bar call is an individual ceremony and it's an actual application to get uh, admitted to the bar. And uh, the judge I find at those, they often give a speech because the friends and family are in the courtroom and um, a lot of them have been in a courtroom before and they take that opportunity to give a speech to say, um, because there is that uh, sort of, uh, you know, the lawyer jokes and the general perception that lawyers are sort of like uh, bloodsuckers <laughs> for money and that sort of thing. And a lot of judges take the time. It was the case at my bar call, uh, Justice Mitchell. Um, he speaks very well about how, you know, you look at any, any charity board, uh, in Charlottetown or in Prince Edward Island or in Canada, there's lawyers sitting on it. Um, the lawyers are doing good in almost every area of society and he's like, um, the, the way uh, people think of lawyers is, you know, you have to look at both sides of it and, and maybe there are some lawyers who, who deserve the odd chirp here or there, but you know, there's, there's a lot of lawyers doing a lot of good in a lot of different areas, um, doing a lot of charity work, doing a lot of pro bono work, um, and as I said earlier, the, the law touches every aspect of any, any regulated part of society. And, and you know, we are uh, under the rule of law and uh, lawyers can do a lot of good. And I think, you know, I'm kind of getting up on a soapbox here, but, <laughs> um, you know, there's, there is a, re you know, when you go to one of those bar calls, it, it sometimes, it makes you feel proud to be part of a profession that they can help people a lot in a lot of instances and, and maybe you shouldn't have that uh, sort of uh, a shame in the back of your head when you're, yeah. when you're introducing yourself as a lawyer. Yeah. Lawyers can, can do a lot of good. Mm -hmm.
And do. Yeah, and do.